0: You're tuning in to Neurodiversity, a podcast for neurodivergent adults and the people who love them. Please note that this podcast does not substitute medical or professional diagnosis and advice. What's up, lovers and friends? Okay, today we're going to jump into my medical experiences. our martial experiences with trying to find diagnoses um, and providers to uh, identify and manage uh, my neurodivergent uh, difficulties. Um, so yeah, as I'm going to jump into that, I think before um, I jump into that, I just want to say too, something I really didn't acknowledge, like Yeah, I think self-diagnoses can be helpful uh, for advocacy, like I said, um, just for like awareness. Um, Also, um, because it's hard to find, you know, medical professionals who are well-versed in adult presentations, female experiences, um, or professionals who are going to take the step back From their specialty. So, like, you know, if they're specialized in like neuropsych or, you know, they're specialized in, um, you know, this particular part of the diagnosis is gonna take a step back and like look at the broader picture. So, really look at um, those different domains that um, autistic people may struggle, which part of that is like physical, right? And physical health and things like that um, and other commonalities, um, such as, you know, how things happen during puberty, blah, 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 blah. eating disorders, those are really big parts in like the um, the diagnostic process um, in my clinical opinion from, from what I've been able to uh, read and been trained on. So yeah, like you need, it's, it's hard to find someone like that. Um, but one piece that I really didn't mention also is just accessibility financially um so you know it's accessibility in your area does someone even specialize in this i think in the midwest i guess i can only speak for ohio for sure it's difficult um especially in the cleveland area Uh, and cleveland in general just side note has some of the worst outcomes for black women in healthcare um (laughs) that's like another note um but you know if you went somewhere like you know la where the majority of autistic adults in the u.s live (laughs) like um you know there might be more access to and I'm, i'm i'm um i'm guessing i'm speculating but uh it might be easier access to professionals in that area who do have these specializations um but i'm sure cost is still a factor and so um, when you talk about a full like neuropsych eval, um, you know, that's, that's going to run you thousands of dollars, um, often. Um, so, um, it's hard and, 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 and diagnoses too, is just like the first step. It's not like you're going like, to uh, I mean, guess in my, in my uh, experience, it's not the first step, but, um, I guess still coming to that realization that, yeah, like I fit, you know, um, I resonate with this population, right? That was still my first step, um. So, yeah, you know, that diagnostic piece, um, whether it's self-diagnosis or official diagnosis, like it's just the first step. And like an official diagnosis in itself isn't necessarily going to solve your problems. Like I think that, yeah, like, again, it can really help with self-compassion. It can really help with reframing your experiences. Um, It can really help with um, being more aware. So the more awareness that you do have of the difficulties that you're struggling with, the more granular you can get with your responses and like how to manage them um so just real quick like um something that one of the first books i listened to after kind of saying okay yeah this this autism criteria really like matches with my life experience um was what to say next and it was um it's it's written by an autistic woman um and the part I really focused on was more so like what was going on at work. She also talked about parenting and some other things, um, but her work experience is like really resonated with me and just like not knowing what to say to emails, like being just so drained and so perplexed like how to respond to certain things like in emails um, or even to my coworkers, um, just being so, um uh, uh, I don't know if is the right word. I don't know what the right word is. I don't know what the right feeling word is, but, like, um, just, like, this small talk culture uh, at work and when you got to check in and people just want to chit-chat throughout the day. I'm, like, I'm behind on my notes. Like, I'm, like, two weeks behind on these notes. Like, I don't have time to chit-chat with you. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I didn't come here for that. Like, I, I came to work to get paid, and I really got to talk about my work experiences because, like, I've always been like that and really, like, putting things in boxes without a lot of flexibility like at my first couple jobs like i barely talked um and then my very first job like i had a co-worker had to come talk to me about a specific behavior that i'm not going to share publicly but like i didn't know that there was anything wrong with it like until they told me um so that was really um yeah, anyway, so um again losing my train of thought a little bit, but um yeah, just like looking at work. What was I gonna say about that? Oh oh the book, okay, the book, yeah. So in the book, like there was this, uh she really talked about like social collateral and really kind of putting that into context and like why it's important, like how it can help, like yada, yada, yada. Um, and it really like helped me to understand small talk or into some like office norms and things like that where now I can understand like why people thought I didn't like them when stuff would happen that you know one of the last agency jobs I worked at before I left like a couple of women came up and like confronted me about like not liking them which was interesting uh, in and of itself, um, and just, like, how I, yeah, I just had a lot of conflict at work and also poor performance, um, in that last job, um, so that book really helped me out a lot in that kind of sense, um, so, yeah, I just say that to say, like, I would have never sought out that information, I really understood that it was something with me, like, before I thought it was just, like, Something was wrong with like the system and like the way the company was ran and it was like all their fault. And like my boss sucked and like the building manager sucked and like everyone sucked. And um while I do think some people did kind of suck, <laughs> um, I also can now realize like, okay, but also I interpreted some things differently than maybe like they were meant, um, and just didn't understand some things that really uh, contributed to my difficulties at work, like some of that stuff had to do with me and the way I show up in the world, um, which I was not aware of at the time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so getting a diagnosis can be really helpful. I and mean, self-diagnosing can be really helpful in that regard. Um, but yeah, official diagnosis, like I said, finding someone who's actually like uh, competent in this work and these really specific and granular, uh, granular heterogeneous uh, presentations, difficult Uh, Accessibility and costs again, very difficult. Um, So when we talk about self-diagnoses, like sometimes that's all people can do. And if that's something that is um, helpful for you, um, then do what you gotta do. I think just be humble about it and be open to you know, the fact that maybe you don't have like the skill set to like actually diagnose this and like, yeah, maybe someone else, hopefully someone credible would sell you, okay, well, if you don't have this, this is what I think is actually presenting. Um, and so like, um, you'll hear more about this in the second episode, but I'm just going to go ahead and put it out here now with one doctor that I just recently saw. They did not provide like the differential piece. Um, And so what I mean by that is, like, they they did say, like, they saw a lot of anxiety, which is true. And I endorsed that. I've been diagnosed with that. Um, I've had difficulty managing anxiety my entire life. Um, But I don't think we got to the root of that. But that's not the point. The point is that um, they they would just say that, like, just the anxiety part, but they ignored, like, all my sensory issues. Like, they ignored my restrictive, repetitive behavior and interests. And so, like, even if they didn't feel like it was autism, like, there are other diagnoses, like, under the neurodevelopmental disorder section um, of what we the diagnostic manual that we use, that maybe might have been more appropriate, but like didn't even look at those. Um, so like for instance, if I see somebody who has like difficulty with social communication and you know some other very specific criteria that I won't get into right now, um, but they don't have you know restrictive rep- repetitive behaviors, then like maybe they have like what's called like a pragmatic language, you know um, disorder or condition if you want to say that, um, and things like that. So like there are other. Diagnoses that can be appropriate if you feel like everything doesn't you know match up to say I mean ASD or ADHD or whatever um, But to just give a diagnosis that ignores like a shit ton of other symptomology um, That's that's not cool and Yeah, I think to find a, Once again, I know I'm a broken record but To find a professional who is truly going to do that work come far and few in between. So I'm here with you in solidarity to my self-diagnosed people. And I hope that maybe just the self-diagnosis and your um, investigation on that alone may help you. Um, Or I also hope that you can find qualified professionals to help you figure that out. Um, Because doing it on your own sucks and it's very lonely. And I can say that from personal experience. yeah, there's not a whole lot of people to talk to you about it because not a whole lot of people get it. And some people don't even want to get it. They don't want to talk about it. So that's a thing in of itself. All right. Um, here is part one of my medical experiences in this self-diagnosis little saga. So that's just like why I feel comfortable or decided to kind of take that step and, and go ahead and share my experiences. I don't feel that everyone who self-diagnosed has to like have that extensive kind of background or skill set. However, I do feel like it's very important that you take your self-diagnoses to professionals. Um, but I really do understand like how hard that can be. And that's what we are going to get into this time around. Okay. <laughs> so I want to see like okay part of me wants to go backwards because like the most recent one happened to me most recently and I'm like all fired up about it but I want just start from the beginning for the sake of everyone's uh sanity so in the beginning once I went through you know the great um I don't even remember what I called it. Honestly, I got to look back at my show notes or whatever, but the great unmasking. Um, so yeah, like when I went through like, you know, the great unmasking and then just kind of like that, that difficulty adjusting period, that burnout period. Um, I started to seek diagnosis and like really was needing help because like my life was on fire. <laughs> my life was on fire and I had like no energy. I had so little energy to fix it. Like Yeah, it took me months, um, but slowly but surely, things did get better. Anyway, I started with a PCP that I used to see, and I am in Northeast Ohio. And so, like, yeah, it's the the Midwest. I think that might just be enough said. But anyway, I, um, yeah, I was uh, at at a major hospital system here. Um, that I don't really recommend after these experiences, but also for other reasons. But anyway, um, I saw this PCP and, you know, I went in about concerns um, around my allergies, like concerns about like auditory processing and just uh, um, sensory issues that I was having that were just really driving me fucking nuts. And uh, yeah, and just like concerns around autism that by this time I was like, okay, like, I had found some little cross information to even start to consider that. Um, So I went to the PCP and first of all, like I felt like they were just kind of like dismissive, like a bit like quick. They were trying to get me out. And in hindsight, I now know why part of that is, which I recently learned in the last year at at 30, (laughs) that you only get 15 minutes at the doctor. I didn't know that before. No one told me about that in life. So oftentimes I've been really frustrated and feeling like dismissed at the doctor. Um, then again, maybe that's something to talk about more later, but anyway, so yeah, I felt like that, but so this is what the doctor gave me. She gave me a referral to this hospital's autism clinic. Um, she gave me a referral to the auditory department and also a referral to psychiatry. Um, and then I also try to go through ophthalmology through this hospital system, um but the referral didn't come from her um so that's just a side note <laughs> but okay so I go to this appointment I'm just like whatever like not much happened from it but also like this person why well, I didn't feel like they handled it great or like how I would have wanted them to they also aren't specialists so I'm like they gave me the referrals about bing, being bang, whatever so uh, psych let's just do that quick because it's it's the quickest so this was like I want to say September of 2021 their psych department didn't have an intake appointment until the end of December. So that is October, November, December, three months. that's three months of waiting for an initial appointment. And then they also told me in their initial appointment, you're not prescribed any meds. You don't get to see like the doctor for med prescribed prescriptions until like, I think they said two or three months after that. So (laughs) I got referred in a moment of crisis a psych department who could not intervene and could not actually like help me and improve my quality of life for about eight fucking months how is that helpful it's not (laughs) it's not it's very frustrating um so then um the auditory part so this pcp sends in the auditory referral I scheduled the appointment, I have to wait, I think that was also in December, so I, or maybe the end of November, so I had to wait like two and a half months for that appointment. I get there, the person in the auditory department doesn't really know why I'm there, they're like, oh, why are well, you here today, blah, blah, blah. So I tell them, I'm like, oh, we don't do that here, Like, we can't do that, and like, no one in the area really does it. They did tell me one place that might do it, and that it would be private pay or whatever. And, like, I'm just pissed. I'm just pissed on so many levels because it's, like, one, PCP, why did you refer me here if they don't even, like, address my issue? Do you not know that? Like, so there's, like, there's just so much, like, disintegration even within hospital systems. And so I acknowledge this isn't just, like, an individual's fault. It is a systematic issue. That is really fucking frustrating. Um, But, yeah, I go there. They can't even do what I want. All they do is check hearing. I have great hearing. I know that. (laughs) <laughs> the test proved that, and as much as I wanted to leave and like walk out, I was just like, All right, well, if not, I'm here now, and I might as well just have my hearing, um, you know, checked. So, great hearing that goes well. Um, but I'm just really upset because I'm just, I'm, I'm really in this time, I'm very much in the shit, I'm in the muck, I'm in the struggle. Um, so it was just very frustrating that this isn't really getting me a step closer or at least it felt like that right and also it just feels like i'm not being listened to because why did you send me here and also like um you know auditory person did you not read the referral did no one in audiology read the fucking referral before you like made the appointment like or but like no one read it and said oh we actually can't do this like let's cancel it no we just We'll just you'll just come. You'll have to pay your copay. You'll have to pay whatever this costs. You to spend your gas and waste your time to come here for us to tell you that the thing you specifically requested we don't do. Okay. <laughs> so um, and then like anyway, the the auditory personnel, you know, they were saying like maybe I had tinnitus or whatever, which is kind of like upbringing of the ears. Uh, and I'm just like no, that's not what I experience. Like, I'm I'm hearing sounds. They're just very, like, the frequency of them, I guess, is very high, typically, like, you know. Um, and, and this is, like, not in places with a lot of background noise. So if I'm, like, in an acquired environment, you know, just, like, little sounds from, like, the refrigerator or, like, the heater will bother me or even, like, so small, like, air coming out of a two-liter bottle or, like, a, you know, a pop bottle because it's not closed all the way. I'm just, like, what is that noise? And, like, it might take me a little bit to find it. But then I find it or whatever. It's, like, it's, like, things that people just don't fucking care about generally. Um, So, like, yeah, I'm just, like, no, like, there are sounds, like, they are audible or they're here. I'm just the one hearing them. And not only am I hearing them, like, it's disturbing me. Like, it's, like, causing me just stress, You know, it's somatically has an impact on me and just kind of like feeling that in my body. I can't focus, like just things like that. Um, and so anyway, I was like crying and like, I'm just leaving. I was like, I gotta go. Like, I don't want to hate telling you talk about this. It's just like, it's just so rare. Like it's so rare. And like, I'm just like, okay, like rare doesn't mean that things don't happen rare means a rare, but like, what if you're talking to like someone who is rare or like, who's experiencing this rarity? Like, so I feel like that's really upsetting to me when like providers are just so dismissive based on things being rare. Um, so, and it's also not rare in the population of autism. Um, so there is a higher prevalence, or prevalence of auditory issues and processing in the autistic population um so there's that too um and then i don't know i think that's pretty much it on this person's account I mean, you know they wrote like a little uh summary or whatever and like mailed it to me for like info on uh t- t- tinnitus or something i think that's what it's called um which is cool that's nice on the follow-up and then also i saw in the report that they just like documented things wrong like it was just like they said i had they, they said I did not endorse a history of ear infection as a child when I definitely did. <laughs> I had infections all the time and fevers when I was a kid and like that's very common in people with auditory processing issues. Um, so yeah. And then like um, <laughs> it was just, it's just like this is just something that kind of just annoys me a little bit. but they were like, um, they said something about like how I denied symptomology based on something I read on the internet. And like, okay, there's like a fear that I have in like just kind of advocating for myself and for others around this and like calling out um professionals when they're kinda of, when they're like then they don't know like the most current data on things or things like that. It's just like in my chart getting this like um persona of like either I like Uh, hypochondriac or a malinger or someone who's like difficult and irritable to work with and like aggressive and things like that because i i mean i've I've worked in hospital systems and you'll see that all the time like someone when they start challenging doctors and you know when they start challenging the health personnel like certain certain suddenly like they're like you know this like fucking villain who is like terrorizing uh terrorizing the hospital system um, versus someone who's just like advocating for themselves and saying, no, this isn't what I experienced. And this is what, you know, what's happening and that's happening or you're not listening to me because it happens all the time um, where professionals aren't listening Um or they're not even, in- at least they're not even integrating new information. And I can see that like you're saying out oh, yeah, I have 15 minutes or in some cases, you know, I have an hour or whatever. And, you know, yeah, you don't maybe have enough time to take all this information and like integrate it. Um, but that's also why some of these evaluations should not be done in an hour. But we'll get back to that. Um, so that was that. It just kind of annoyed me with the internet piece because I was just like, yeah, like I mean, I'm on the internet, but we're all on the internet to find information. It's just like, where are you on the internet? <laughs> like, and so I'm on the internet, like in like peer-reviewed journals. Like I'm on the internet, like looking at work from Doctors, this team, doctors and esteemed doctors and these in this field like i'm on the internet looking at research you know and i'm also looking at like how that research was conducted so yes, guess i'm on the internet but i'm not on webmd <laughs> like i'm not on like fucking act like come on like so it's just like not even like taking the time to like look into those things like i feel like it's upsetting to me especially when you start putting that in documentation um because then it can start to um create this persona of someone that is misrepresentative, um, or of the patient, I should say. Anyway, moving on. Um, so I was like looking for this, um, trying to get assessed for ADHD. Um, I first met with a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I was a black woman. I was really happy. I'm like, oh yeah, like black woman, like this is going to be great. Oh my God. I left that interview in tears. I barely got through it. Um, but <laughs> it was really interesting. So like I sent in my, like, intake paperwork at least a week ahead of time, maybe a little bit more, at least a week. And, like, I get on this call, and, like, the the nurse answers, and they're like, oh, yeah, like, I see, like, you wanted to come in, you know, for autism or whatever. I don't do that here. Um, But what I do is, like, look at, like, depression, anxiety, bipolar, blah, 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 blah like, these mood disorders, things like that. And it's just like, okay, first and foremost, if you read this and you don't do this here, why didn't I get a phone call to say, hey, here's a referral? Why didn't I say, hey, I can't help you with this? You know, maybe here are some resources so you could find someone. But instead, you have me come here to tell me that you can't help me with this. Like, again, like this is money out of people's pockets. Like, it's not free to go to the doctor for everybody, (laughs) like for most of us. Um, So it's just really frustrating, that sort of negligence. Um, But aside from that, you know, we start the interview and they're like, Okay, just answer my questions yes or no, unless I ask for any other like information. And then they just start reading off DSM criteria. Check. You have that check, check, check. And it's just like that's not how you diagnose people with anything out of the DSM. You don't just go off the check mark. Like, yeah, you look for those symptoms, but you want to look at the impact of those symptoms. You want to look at the settings of those symptoms. You want to look at the symptoms over the lifespan. You want to compare those symptoms to others, like you know, to other diagnoses that might have similar systems and like do that none of that and you can't do that in your head by yourself like you have to do that in a conversation with somebody else you can't just be like oh did you experience like you know anger for two weeks check done like like you can't that's not that's not clinically sound um so that really pissed me off um and like at the end of it she gave me some diagnoses that like I'm not going to repeat all of them or whatever. But I was just like, this don't even make sense. She did give me ADHD diagnosis because I pressed her on it. But again, like, she didn't really do a thorough job. It was a checkmark thing, whatever. Um, and so, um, but what was interesting for me is that she gave me a cannabis use disorder, which I do smoke weed. And, like, the thing, though, like, is you can't, all she asked me was if I smoked weed. I said, yeah. She said, How often? I said like a couple of a few times a week. I was like, you know, like, you know, maybe like a gram or something like that. Um, well, actually, I don't even think I said that because I don't she didn't ask me. She did not ask me. She just asked me the frequency. Um, but like, yeah, so she asked me if I smoke and then she asked me the frequency. And then she was like, that sounds like a lot. (laughs) i gave me a cannabis use disorder. And I was just like, that's that's not how you diagnose a substance abuse disorder at all. There are so many other criteria alone, like about like Attempts to quit, like difficulty with quitting, cravings, like, you know, your view of the problem, consequential impact, like, that you're having in your life, you know, are you losing money, are you, like, getting arrested, like, just things like that, are you missing work, like, just all those different things that need to be assessed, and, like, none of those questions, just did you use it how many times, how often, you can't, you can't make that sort of diagnosis with just those two points of information, <laughs> like, um, that, that is, that's, that's un, it's unethical, um, and so long story short, I actually did end up reporting the specific uh, nurse because yeah, just that practice was just unethical. Um, that's not okay to present yourself as a mental health professional and then show up like that. It's a disservice to the community um, that you are allegedly serving. Um, but funny story is that actually my sister went to her too and I, we didn't know, like we didn't know we went to the same person or anything. We just happened to meet up and we, we were talking about our interviews and um yeah, she had a very similar experience. And then the doctor like uh or not the doctor, then the nurse uh diagnosed her with bipolar disorder. Uh, and I was just like, girl, you are not bipolar, like she just she just doesn't even meet the criteria to be bipolar, like um, and then uh my sister went got a second opinion from a psychiatrist who was just like, yeah, you're definitely not bipolar, and diagnosed her with ADHD. Um So yeah. Anyway, so that was the second kind of, I guess it's second on my list, but I guess I've talked about a few experiences now. Oh, I didn't even talk about the ophthalmology. Um, so I guess I'll back up, like going back to that hospital system that I was with. So, um, I had actually the, the nurse that I just talked to you about, I had, um, her office sent over a report to ophthalmology because um, I do have issues, um, just eyes, my eyes being tired. I already have astigmatism, um, but just like there's your difficulty walking straight, like neck pain, things like that, and like that could be um, an eye condition that is um, more prevalent in ADHD populations. I don't know, um, but it, it's something just to to look for and to and to see and to rule out, right? Um, so she did she her office did send that over or whatever. Um, but the thing about the hospital system is once again like i had this appointment and then like coming to find it was like a couple months out and then come to find out like they couldn't even help me like they wouldn't help me they were just like oh like yeah well that's a peds thing basically like like they didn't have anyone who could see a dog's to like to to assess for that and the only reason i didn't actually make it to the appointment to figure this out is because i have a friend that works in the ophthalmology department at that um at that hospital system they're like yeah like you're gonna have to see like someone who does like peds or whatever um and then like basically like the hospital system refused to schedule me with the peds doctor because i'm an adult so i'm just like well like so just no one can look like no one can make this judgment call um, uh, and like actually the very snotty person on the phone was like, well, we can't give you what we don't have. I'm <laughs> just like, all right, but you could also like acknowledge that this is an issue. <laughs> like you could also tell me where to fucking go. Um, or at least you should be able to. Um, anyway, so that was that. I found another, uh, nurse practitioner to work with. Uh, and actually she was really cool. Uh, she was really cool and she was very, um what's the word, I guess, validating, uh, very validating. Um, she did do a more thorough diagnostic um, uh, for, eval for ADHD. Uh, she didn't feel comfortable with diagn- nursing autism. Like she didn't feel like that was her field or her, you know, her teeth, but she gave me resources, the places to like reach out to and to try to help me out. Although they didn't end up being very helpful for me. I still like applaud her for, you know, like telling me where to go and just like, yeah, just being there. So she was super cool. Um, the problem was that she ghosted me. So that's just long story short. She just kind of stopped showing up to the women. what she did, she just stopped showing up. So um, yeah, I don't know what happened to her. Hopefully she's okay. Um, that kind of brings me a little bit more present day where I did find a psychiatrist um, that is very helpful. And while they don't uh diagnose, oh actually let well, let me back up a little bit. I went to another psychiatrist um uh, before finding the one that I work with now, and they also I think were like really awesome like again like very validating like um just just very compassionate and welcoming. But they were in private practice like private pay, and so. Again, I was in a really desperate time, and I really didn't have the money to do this, but I just thought, like, it would be helpful. So I did the eval with them, which was, like, $300, and we met for, like, an hour. I think she might have went over a little bit over an hour. And uh, at the end of it, she was basically like, well, I can't really tell. And I get it. Like, it is hard. It is hard to make this diagnosis in adulthood, especially with someone, you know, with a trauma history or someone who, you know, can very much compensate for... Um, social deficits and things like that. Um, so I understand why that might be difficult. And and in, and in their practice, like she uses um, actual like testing and things like that, which isn't necessary per se to make a diagnosis. Um, it's not a requirement, but it can be helpful. So uh, she was like, "Yeah, we would have to do tests, and those tests would have been out of pocket for me, and I, I just didn't even have that money to scrap up to give her for that. So um, that just didn't work out for me." um but she's a very pleasant doctor um side note again i just i just really don't understand though in general how anyone can conduct like a a 60 minute assessment to determine you know neurodiverse conditions are not um or neurodivergent conditions are not um you know, so then they say, well, if it's really obvious and it's just like, I don't know, I feel like if you're looking for things that are really obvious, you're looking for stereotypes uh, more often than not and versus, versus like a wide array of like heterogeneous like symptomology, right? Um, but that still fit within those criteria. Um, and so, yeah, personally, I, I just feel like it has to be longer than the hour especially if you're not taking insurance. Like, I get, like, if you're taking insurance, you kind of have to work under those insurance guidelines. So, like, yeah, maybe you need multiple interviews or whatever. Um, But to not take insurance and to not have a more thorough diagnostic process, I personally feel is a disservice. um, or just not very helpful. Um, So, yeah, present day, I have a psychiatrist that is pretty wonderful, though they do not do um, autism diagnoses. Um, But uh, they definitely, like seem to like endorse just kind of like what i'm thinking or whatever or just kind of like not um not saying no but just kind of saying okay well we that's that is your life experience this is like what can we do to help you know diagnoses or no diagnoses like how can we how can we work with this um and so we definitely really did get on a good med education med regimen um to um help to manage my adhd and also I feel like they did a really good job at like expectation setting and like, you know, what are my expectations even for these meds? Um, and they really helped me by doing that with like numbers and like saying, okay, well if this improves, you know, by like 50% or whatever, then we're going to say this is successful or 40% of this or whatever, versus like in the beginning when I first kind of went into it, like I was looking for something to basically like get rid of my ADHD or like, stop that. Like that's not, that's not realistic. So they really did help me with expectation setting. Um, and, um also just like um helping me with meds to help manage anxiety and um also meds to help kind of with sensory issues uh, which has been very helpful like i've been able to uh, just go places and not freak out if i didn't bring my glasses with me my sunglasses with me uh, or things like that um i've definitely had a higher tolerance um to um some three input than I did just about a year ago. All right, so this brings me to my last and most recent experience, y'all, which I just feel like is wild, it's wild.